Good evening, good morning, and how are you doing? I am so glad that you are tuning in to Pouring Good Tea. I'm your host, Van B, and I'm excited. I don't know if excited is the word that I should be using, but I really am for the informational purposes to be talking about preparing for death while living. And you're probably wondering, why are you excited about that? Because I need to be, you need to be too. Come on in, get your tea, whether it's cold, hot, spiked or not, and enjoy the conversation. I'm excited to have with me two guests that are experts in their fields, great people and terribly funny, great people. Before we get into it, let me just, as we do over here at Pouring Good Tea, tip out a cup, a sip. And to this week's sip goes to our care providers, our nurses, our doctors, our doulas, our CNAs, anybody that helps you to take care of your life, sustain life, to be okay. I want to say thank you from us to you. Thank you for what you do, especially during this time of COVID, during this time when people are mentally and physically ill. Big shout out and a heavy sip to you. Thank you. Now, let's get into it because that's what you're here for. Today, I have my guests. Uh, I'm going to let them introduce themselves real quickly because, you know, I could tell you the story, but it's better when a person shares with you exactly who they are. So the lady first, and if you will introduce yourself to our listeners. Yes, ma'am. I am Angelique Gainyard. I am here in New York. I am a licensed funeral director for the past years. Um, I want to get my age away, but it's been a number of years. And, uh, you know, (laughs) I am in the business of helping families through, you know, that final transition when someone dies. That's what I'm here for. I'm so glad you're here. And kind sir, thank you for speaking to our ladies. Please introduce yourself. Well, good evening, uh, ladies. My name is Wilson Patterson. I'm a licensed life, health, sickness, accident, disability, long-term care, Medicare agent. And I'm based out of Charlotte area. I've been um, in the commercial side or consumer side, I'll say. This is uh, six and some change, Um, most as an independent. I mentioned to um, Tracy probably a week or so ago, I guess. Actually was inspired from my experience in the Air Force, which was really 40 years ago. I did insurance and benefits. And after spending a few decades in highly technical fields, very mind tickling, you know, all that kind of stuff, paid good Mm -hmm. money, just didn't do nothing for my soul, you know. So at 50, about 50, I, you know, decided the most fulfilling thing I had done for $400 a month was help people with insurance and benefits in the Air Force. So here I am today. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so I would, I'm interested to know then, Angelique, how did you get into mortuary affairs? Uh, true story, had a dead end job. My mom and my grandmother kept saying, you know, you need to do something with, you know, do something different. And I got a college catalog and I'm flipping through it, flipping through it, flipping through it. Nope, 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 nope. Huh. Hmm. I think I can do that. Here I am 20 some odd years later. 
no family, no experience, didn't know anything about anything. I just saw that that was something that I thought I could do um, and decided to go for it. And here I am. Yes. I, I think it's really awesome. I mean, when you think about morticians, you think about older benevolent men who speak to you in hushed tones. And so to have- No plenty of those. <laughs> right. To have a pretty fly girl be like, hey, I'm a nurturer, but I can handle you in death too. That's kind of cute. And that's fancy. So to get on something else, I don't want uh, every topic to be a relation to the pandemic, but mm-hmm. I'm curious um, and give me your short answers on how your work has been affected by the pandemic. And I would like to hear from you first, um, Wilson. Well, from a, just a personal standpoint for lots of the industry, they had to react to you know the social distancing and all that for me, since I'd already pursued working from home like a year before, it was just an adjustment adjustment for me. Uh, really, I guess expediting like the distribution of my websites and all that and trying to step up my marketing game. But as far as trying to serve senior people, which are primarily not very tech savvy, at least the Medicare people, mm-hmm. it's been a disaster for me because they need to see people face to face. Right. Yeah. So we're just coming out of that where, you know, maybe that will change. Okay. And you? Oh, wow. The, the really, really short answer is we were not prepared. Um, we were not prepared for this. Um, it, it was a real adjustment to going from having large services for people. And then all of a sudden, you know, people are panicking because they can't have services. You know, they can't go see the person when they're in a hospital sick. So they can't do that. They can't do services. And I mean, we were swamped. I was to the point where I wouldn't even answer my phone because I knew there was nothing I could do for you. You know, and the calls that I did take, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I can't, you know, there's absolutely nothing we can do for you. So it was very, um, it was heartbreaking. I think Mm -hmm. that you wanted to help people, but you couldn't. And for everybody who experienced the death, and I mean, there are families that had one death, two deaths, three deaths. I mean, they're doing it over and over and over again. Nobody was prepared for it. Wow. It was a, you know, technically, yeah, now we're going from services to Zoom, you know, or Google Meet or, you know, no services at all. So it was, no one was prepared for this at all. That would have to be the statement of the year for pretty much everybody, yeah. particularly given what's what's going on. Yes. So um, when you hear, and either one of you can answer this question, when you hear the phrase prepare for death while living, what do you think of? Uh, I, I think at this point, you know, I, what, I, what I hear is you need to speak to somebody like Wilson. You need to, listen, death is guaranteed. There's absolutely no escaping it. Everybody has an appointment at some time or another. You don't know when, but you will face it. But before it gets to that point, listen, get insurance. Get insurance. 
you know, mm -hmm. get it while, especially get it while you're young and it's cheap, lock those rates in. If you can spend 20 bucks on, you know, a pack of cigarettes or, you know, those brand new fresh Jordans or whatever that came out, that's a premium, at least. Get some insurance. That's what so, I said. I'm sorry, what are some obvious things that we forget when we're preparing for death? Well, since you're saying like, wow, okay. Since you're saying like, uh, while you're living, which unfortunately, lots of people don't prepare while they're living. They mm -hmm. much they much would rather keep uh, procrastinating, right? Right. So if, if, if you really, I think for me, and I know personally, you really have to reckon with death for yourself personally. Uh, I think every person needs to have a realistic understanding of how they perceive death, how they're going to deal with their own death, right? Mm -hmm. And convey it to someone per personally. I think it should be in writing. And in preparing to make it better for your uh, survivors, you will have the stuff in writing, not just a life insurance policy, but perhaps a healthcare power of attorney, particularly in covid where mm -hmm. this may have been the last time you saw this person and you'll never see them again. And someone is asking them who's their next of kin to see what the emergency procedure is going to be, you know, right. because a healthcare power of attorney is for that moment, those moments when you're incapacitated, but it's made when you're in sound mind preparing and all those things will give you more sense of balance or peace or whatever you want to call it. When you prepare, you know, life insurance, powers of attorneys, estate planning, you know, just tidy up and let somebody know. No, mm -hmm. just have the papers and then somebody have to come find it because I've been through that too. Hey, don't jump ahead in my interview. I got those questions down the line. <laughs> well, I've just been through it in the past year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, that it, it happens. And um, so since you asked that question, you kind of made that statement one of the questions that i did have is where do you keep those where do where do you normally keep your your request your final request or what would be, where do people normally keep it is it a good place to keep it or is there a better place so let's say god forbid um i die today or tomorrow what do people know? Where do people normally go if they're going to come to my home to check to see what my um, final requests are and my availability to have that done? Are you asking Wilson? Yes. Oh, Either one okay. of you can chime in. Well, it, it depends on your situation. Uh, and since this is primarily women, I don't know if it's primarily single women, you know, everybody's going to have, you know, different thing answers for that one but for a single woman mm -hmm. that is very important to have someone that you know is going to be there with you thick and thin and you can tell them mm -hmm. it's in the firebox under the bed all the stuff you need to, or put it on a flash drive you know it's mm -hmm. in this flash drive everything you know my social security number my age date of birth my driver's license all that stuff policy numbers and that is don't want to jump off, but that is something I, I intend to do with personalized consultations, but mm -hmm. just saying, but those are things very helpful and to really know your network. Cause I, I have a couple of friends that I know men and women that I know are single 
-hmm. and they're kind of loners. And I just check on them. Just check me. All right. Because they're a little bit too proud, proud to tell you something happened. And then every now and then they will. I'm like, hey, suppose we didn't talk. Then what? And, you know, it's some people just don't want to say they're having challenges with being alone, not with necessarily organization, but I, I know some people that have fallen, for instance, and it's, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're over 40 and it's like, no, you, you need a network that you can call on for anything. Okay. So how do I prepare, um, should I be preparing uh, because I'm over the 40 or what have you? And typically 40, 50 year olds are single women or when I say single, single and or married, they don't have children at home. But now we're having, and I'm one of them, I raised my hand, I've got a minor child. So does my planning and my thought process need to look different than someone who has adult children or that has a husband? Um, how does that does it look need to look different and, and if so how absolutely absolutely that's a unique concern because it, it with children minor children for one whole different array of benefits become necessary survivor okay. benefits become necessary as far as like your understanding of social security knowing that you know they'll have that but also, what else will they need uh, as far as college planning? You know, do you want to leave uh, a monetary legacy? Um, I mean, actual wealth, or do you want to just leave them something to get by? You know, or whatever you can do. You know, those are considerations. Um, but certainly, the planning for stability. And I know a lot of uh, forward-thinking Black women and and people want their children to do better than they did. So they certainly. If they can provide something toward education, it may not be a big $50,000 cash settlement, uh, cash amount you saved. It could be a life insurance policy mm -hmm. that provides for that. It, it would actually be the most efficient way, to be yeah. honest. Um, yeah. But all of those provisions will be something that should be thought about, but only you can have your values um, because every single person I've spoken with they haven't put a lot of thought of it, <laughs> haven't put a lot of thought to it. You know, it's like, so you can't tell somebody else their own values, but you know, I know a child is very important to the older people. I mean, uh, to a single woman, but I do know, um, you know, you, you would want to plan according to your values and what, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? Got it. Pretty much. Yeah. So those are things to, to keep in mind. Um, <laughs> I keep getting, I'm looking at some of the questions that I have and I'm trying to keep some of the, because we have a team of people and they were, you know, they would say, make sure you ask this and make sure you ask that. So every time I look at these few couple of questions, mm. I just, I try to keep a straight face, but we're having a conversation. So it is what it is. I will ask this and I'm going to ask you, Angelique, um, what if what I want goes against my family's tradition? Um, what happens at the funeral? And I'm sure you probably have some stories where 
kids and spouses or whatever get there and one person says she wants to be cremated and the other person says we need to have the church to ban $9,000 worth of flowers. How do you how do you manage that? How do you mitigate that when you have people sitting in that space? Well, I'm gonna tell you how I do. Um, honestly, the one I'm like, who's paying the bill? Right. Whoever's paying the bill is the one who calls the shots. Now, okay. I have had situations, I have had a situation, one in particular I can remember, where um, this man had, a, I mean, he had been with this woman for 30, 40 years. Hmm. They lived together, but he was still married. His wife lived somewhere down south. Okay. So he left all of his money, his insurance, he left, I mean, everything he left to his girlfriend. So the wife comes from down south and, you know, she's got on the widow's hat and everything. And she's all, well, this is my husband. And I said, okay, I understand that. I said, but um, here's the thing. Unless you're paying the bill. Okay. Um, I mean, I understand you say you want to do this. You want to do this. You want to do that. And you're his wife. I'm going to have to respect that. But unless you're footing the bill, you know, my hands are tied. My suggestion is you and his girlfriend, y'all sit down. And that's what I'll, you know, tell people. Sit down, come to some kind of an agreement about what is acceptable, what's not acceptable. Can y'all meet in the middle and try to do something fair for everybody? And, and they worked it out. They worked it out. They worked it out. And, you know, on the rare occasions where it seemed like they was ready to go to fisticuffs, I, I just sat back and let them... <laughs> You sit back, just get, sit back and give them the face. And they'll, and they'll eventually, they'll be like, oh, we shouldn't be doing this right now. This ain't what she wanted. Yeah. So if you're listening or watching, just know whether you're on the side, obviously if you're dead, you don't know. But if mm -hmm. you're somebody's little friend or special friend, make sure you guys work that out. You know, go and, and talk and to my friend it. Wilson. What they can do, um, I don't know if all states do it, but I know a lot of states will have, um, they have a, a document that's called, um, I, can't, I can't recall the exact name, but it leaves uh, a document that leaves who is in control of your final disposition. So even mm -hmm. if it's somebody for a hundred years and they live in a different state, but they come up to the state, if you have that document, and like you said, leave it in a file, leave it with this person, leave, you have a team of people who know. Um, no, you know what? Uh, his girlfriend, Edna, is in charge. Here's his signature. This is his document. She's the one that's calling the shots. And as long as he signed it, it's notarized. She knows what her role is. There's really nothing the wife can do. You know, there's nothing the Fortunately wife can do. Fortunately and unfortunately. unfortunately. I'll say um, from, from a all that I've seen in insurance, it certainly that's a legal um, premise that, oh, the wife would definitely have some say. If it's still a legal wife and is never divorced, somebody would be up for a fight because the wife and the successors, they use the Latin term persteropes. They don't mm -hmm. even have to name the people after that successor, that beneficiary. But if that or that wife or spouse is still alive and they're not divorced, oh, they have legal grounds to get what they need. Might might not be able to arrange a funeral service, but as far as any contract, 
um, if she was designated as the beneficiary and technically the husband, I guess, could have written the boyfriend in there, but some states would not go for it. <laughs> they would not go for it because they say it would become a question of interest because you have to have an interest in a person's life to even be able to be a beneficiary, right? Or to, to write a policy on them, let's say that. Like um, you can't just write a policy, say, I want to get a policy on Joe Blow because you don't have a relationship with Joe Blow. Right. Okay. And then the law says by precedent, spouse, you know, children, brothers, sisters, all that kind of stuff. But if it's specif specified anywhere about a spouse, and yeah, at least as far as insurance, almost all insurances are going to give the spouse priority and certainly a durable power of attorney or, you know, will or an executor of an estate might get into some legal stuff. Um, but it's going to be hard to over, overcome the precedent of a spouse, especially <laughs> even if they were just on paper for 30 years and the other one was on, you know, the side lady was around for 40. It might be a legal argument somewhere. Kind of doubt it though. See that now that brings up the question for me then. Um, what about me and I'm in a same sex relationship and we weren't married or, you know, we had this space. So if I come to you, Angelique, and mm -hmm. I say, you know, my partner has died. As long as I have the money, you're fine with that. Is that, is that the way? I mean, I can't speak for all states. I don't right. know about any other state, but I know right here in New York, um, you know, it's a little bit more flexible now than it used to be. And if you and your, you know, you and your partner, your partner is deceased and, you know, you have the money or you have a life insurance policy, you can leave. If I wrote, if your, if your partner wrote out a life insurance policy and they said, well, I'm going to leave my best friend, Tracy as beneficiary. Okay. That's your money. Right. You can do want with it you can bury her if you want now if she comes up with a daughter and you know the daughter her and the daughter were estranged for 20 or something years that's a little pinky because and then again at that point i'm going to say can y'all work it out because things will be held up if you decide to take it to court the court may side with you if you know this your your partner and her daughter have been estranged for 20 years and the court is going to be well why are you coming up now you know, you haven't seen her in 20 years and there's fiduciary interest. Who, why are you coming up now? What do you hope to gain? So they, right. they make an issue of it, which is why I always suggest, hey, work it out, see what y'all can come up with. And if it's, to, if it's to the point where it's really, really, really contentious, then I'll just say, you know, I'm so sorry. I cannot help you. Right. I will, yeah, I cannot help and I, you. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, go ahead. Wilson? No, no, I was saying that is, that's it, prudent. <laughs> that's, I think that's extremely fair um, because at the end of the day, you're the professional deciding what you do professionally and you're not mitigating people's relationships or being their counselor on that level. So I think that is extremely fair. I am learning a wealth of information when I was interested in this, not only for myself, but some of the, my girlfriends and I, we sit around and we talk about this and we talk about it obviously from our own experience, but I'm, there's so much more to think about. And you, in just a short amount of time, you've mentioned so many reasons why we need to prepare for this before 
it's needed. And so, you know, thing also people need to realize too is that especially when you're doing your life insurance policy, traditionally it is used to take care of final services and whatever bills you have. But if you leave, you know, your best church sister Mary is your beneficiary, that's Mary's money. Mary can take that money and do what she wants with it. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have to field. use it. You know, she doesn't have to use it for a funeral. She can use it. And I've had it. I've had it where, you know, these women, they were church sisters for 40 years. And, you know, she said, oh, I know Bertha's going to take care of me. My family ain't worth nothing. They ain't this. They ain't that. Did Mary take that money and said, I'm not putting that one dime on that funeral. And who could force it? Wow. You can't yeah. force it. You're in a pine box and Sister Mary is off on the uh she went on a cruise. On a cruise, yep. She, she went on a cruise. She went on a cruise. <laughs> she rolling. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was so sad, you know, to think that this woman trusted you, you know, y'all been, you know, Sunday, Sunday with the white the Usher's uniform and Women's Day and this day, and y'all are cut buddies. And she turns around and says, no, my money, I'm doing what I want to do. And there was nothing anybody could, you know, we couldn't do anything about it. It wasn't, you know, wasn't our call. You know, it wasn't the family's call either. I'm like, well, can they sit down and work it out? You know, maybe the past can step in and say, hey, you know what, Sister Mary, can we? (laughs) She wasn't trying to hear it. So I said, oh, well. Let me just say to my friends and my besties, you know who you are and you're listening if I leave something to you and you don't do right by me, I will become a professional Hank 24-7. <laughs> so, so I'm going to ask you this in um, an answer for your respective fields. What are, when we're planning, what are some things that we as the consumers for your service, we're focused too much on or too little on? So for Angelique, am I in there buying? Yes, I'm thinking, okay, there, there are two things in particular that I think people focus a little bit too much on. They focus a little bit too much on what other people are going to think about the type of services they provide for the loved ones. Um, I tell mm-hmm. them ultimately, you know, this mm-hmm. has to be paid for with your pocketbook, Gosh. not with your heart. So you may want to do a champagne service, but you really only have sell some money don't go broke trying to impress people you know don't don't do that because at the end of the day you know the person who's deceased they're past all worries you still have a mortgage you still have a car note you know you still have utility bills you still have things you have to do so you can't worry about what everybody else around you is paying and sometimes i see them they're trying to scratch in their heads they're trying to figure out oh how we gonna do this Uh, can we I'm, i'm gonna take a loan against my pension and, you know, I'm cheap as black dirt. I don't believe in spending, you know, paying, spending oogobs of money for something, you know, to impress people. Don't do that. Right. Do that. You know, you only have a certain amount of money. Let's try to find something we can do with that. You know, so that's one thing. And another thing that kind of, you know, um, you know, gets my goat a little bit is is the, the fine details. Like, oh, well, we make we got to make sure cousin Shirley is here, but she can't come until next week. So we're going to have to reschedule that until the following week after. And oh, we got to get these balloons and we got to get this t-shirt and we got to get this face mask and we got to get them printed and we got to do the enemy, like little nitpicky details, you know, that I, I understand this is a celebration you're trying to plan, but don't get mm-hmm. bogged 
the minutiae. Let's take care of, you know, what's important. Anything else will fall into line. We can take care of the small stuff as we go along. But don't, 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 you know, it's not a life or death situation if you don't get those buttons with grandma's face on it. Correct. Right. That, that, that's what I think people spend a little bit too much time and, you know, thought on. And how would you, how would, what would you say to that, Wilson? No, I would certainly say well said on that, you know. Um, yeah. And one thing you and I've discussed or, or it's come up a lot is being authentic. Just be authentic. I think my family, for instance, knows <laughs> probably won't even have a funeral for me. It would not be traditional by any stretch of the imagination and nobody should even be concerned about wasting their time coming by if you don't do it in my lifetime it's just the way it is i'm that kind of guy don't right. even waste your time right. but a lot of people are comf too comfortable or uncomfortable about other people's concerns and mm -hmm. and one of the things i was going to say fo focus on your desires right find your balance in your wiggle room and don't even I, I don't even like try to make everything sound so rigid because it's really not there are so many options to do so many things or oh old school vernacular a thousand ways to skin a cat you know what i'm saying and it really is if you think about your options right. because that's the way right. you manicure your own lifestyle's values and and it can turn out monetarily and everything because well just to say in short if if you focus you'll find a lot more options than most people will ever advise you an advisor or whatever but based on your values and i think that is probably the main thing really get down to your own values and what's important to you mm -hmm. and and it might really surprise yourself some of the details you know that nobody's ever thought of mm -hmm. You want to hear something Good about answer. mine? For, for mine? For mine? See, they know. Not, my son knows. Not, not come, yet. Come, come on, come on, come on. No, okay, my bad. <laughs> go ahead. Go not ahead. Yet. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, so I, I'm question, I'm curious. Um, what in today's market, and we know you're talking about from where you are, Angelique, what is the average cost of a full-on funeral versus cremation? So a full-on funeral, you're averaging these days in this area, you're looking at anywhere between, say, eight and maybe 12000 depending really on the cemetery. Um, cemeteries, mm -hmm. I mean, I've cemetery plots for as little as, you know, five, $600, and then they can go up to $20,000. So it depends on, you know, do you want to be in the ground? Do you want to be in a mausoleum? that determines an awful lot of what your final price is going to be. And cremation also can be anywhere from, you know, say $6,000 and up. That depends on, you know, do you want to do a fancy, fancy, fancy funeral? Do you want to do a fancy, fancy, fancy casket? You know, again, I am just as cheap as the day is long. I'm like, look here, you're not about to spend $5,000 on a casket that you're going to burn. Let's not do that. Let's look at another option. Let's look at something in the, you know, $2,000 range. Let's, let's bring that down a little bit. Let's bring that back down a little bit because that don't make no sense. Well, they say, oh, well, I have to, I have to go to this cemetery, you know, and like, look here. Um, you know, this cemetery plot right here is $12,000. Mm -hmm. 
This is real estate that you yourself will not enjoy. You cannot put a barbecue pit on there. You can't sit on the back porch there. Why do you want to spend $12,000 on a grave here? I mean, I understand it's a beautiful cemetery. I'm, I'm all for beautiful cemetery, but you know, $12,000 there, as opposed to maybe four or $5,000 there, that's seven, $8,000 that you just saved. So, you know, it really, you know, depends on where you're going to be buried and what you're going to be in. And then things like, you know, people get fancy with four or 5,000, you know, all of these flowers and then they want dove release and then they want a horse and carriage and, you know, things like that. That's cute, but not really necessary. <laughs> I'm trying to keep my faith neutral about all that, but um, yeah, some of that's not cute. It's showy, and, and you know, to each his own. Whatever they like. I I'm, yeah. I'm love to hear you weigh in on that, um, Wilson. Well, I was just gonna say from personal experience, too many times recently, I can confirm in North Carolina or at least in the Charlotte area, you can get a uh, cremation with urn and about four or five certified copies of your death certificate for under a thousand dollars, right at a thousand dollars. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that's, that's good to know. That's good to know. Um, that's good to know. And it's an option. It's always an option. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of cremation, <laughs> One of the questions that someone on the team wanted me to ask you, um, does it hurt when you get cremated? I don't know. I've never had anybody come back and say anything. So um, <laughs> I, I'm going to assume, you know, if they do out, you know, that stings a little bit. I, I... <laughs> wow well, so i've done part of my job by asking that question so we at least got it down in the conversation so they'll listen and and i kind of said that uh -oh. in the question uh -huh. the Q &A, but you know, there you go um do you have any buyer beware tips for a person because when we go into and not everybody is um a good person some people is you know they're they're in business and it's about the bottom line and the bigger the bottom line the better their pockets are obviously but it mm -hmm. is a time when we are we, the consumers are emotional so what right. are some buyer beware things that we need to ask um ask for a general price list okay, okay. every that you go to, it's mandated by the FTC that any funeral home you go to must have a printed general price list, which basically is, for lack of a better word, it's a menu and it gives you, you know, a list of costs for each individual line of service or each individual line of merchandise that you may want. Okay. Um, we don't do what is called a package. I know people say, well, what's the package? I said, no, no, we can't give you a package. We can give you the average cost of a service. Um, everything will be itemized on your contract, your statement of goods and services. Um, it'll list for every, every little thing will have a price. Um, 
So be mindful of that. Um, buyer beware. I know people will buy, um, they'll get merchandise from outside. I'm okay with that. I don't mind if you go to whomever your florist is, you know, whoever may do print work. Maybe you have somebody in church that they use their printer. I'm all for that. Um, maybe you have somebody who only does, you know, they do the hair and makeup. Well, you know, Tussie from the beauty shop, always their mommy's hair and makeup. She wants to come in. Okay. I don't have a problem with that. No, I'm serious. That, that has happened. You know, I don't have a problem with that. Um, as far as uh, like caskets and urns are concerned, I don't have a problem with that. I will say though, and I know this sounds like sour grapes, but I'm just gonna have to say it as far as caskets are concerned, when they are bought from, you know, places online or some, you know, online and, you know, um, some of these big box chain stores, they sometimes will sell caskets. There's a reason why it was so inexpensive. And that's all I'm gonna say is just, that there's a reason for that you know lucky thing after so many years I know what I'm looking at I'm like oh doggone this is not happening this is not happening <laughs> this is not happening but let's try to fix this as best we can and I, you know it, it worked out in the end but it's like, you get what you pay for you know you get what you pay but because um, <laughs> I've seen some big chains and I won't mention the name you know for advertisement but I've seen one of the big chains that uh, sells caskets and I'm just thinking I got a visual because I'm a visual person and I don't mean it in poor taste but I'm just thinking you think you bought a, a Cadillac and you got a Yugo I'm dating myself by saying that a Yugo so without an engine is that where <laughs> right without an engine is that where we just gonna duct tape this together to make sure that it <laughs> stays intact long enough to duct put it in the ground uh, duct tape, crazy blue, rubber bands, staples, hot glue. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you, you do what you have to, you know, I understand that sometimes families, Thank they, you have, for they have to, so. <laughs> so on to you, Wilson. Um, I know it, that you are licensed in North Carolina and a, and a bunch of other states. But we're going to have some people on here that are going to go to providers in their local state or their local city. What are some things that they need to ask about? Because this is you do need to build a relationship with the person that's going to help you before you pass away to get, you know, wealth and burial and all the different services that you provide. What are some things that uh, a, a woman should be asking? Um, and, Not necessarily and, specifically about the insurance, but the the what are some red flags? Well, that that's a very generic way of putting it. Um, but I don't know. I think I think people should just be realistic about their situation, you know, because n hardly anybody's going to have a, an identical situation if everything looked right identical on paper as far as numbers and all that stuff it still won't mm -hmm. be identical as far as you as an individual and even to the point of your own personal health identity quite frankly when we're talking about um, planning for death it's usually about morbidity you know sickness illness not being in peak health so 
you know, I, I think we should prioritize good health, good quality. You know, I'm not saying super pristine lifestyle and all that, but recognize the part that health plays in it and how it's going to really shape the rest of your living life. I mean, your health. I mean, almost everything is going to start to play around your health at some point, at some point okay. for most people, for most people, you know, very few, few people will get out of having something, um, I won't say disabling, but you won't be quite as fit as you were when you were 19, when you're 80, you can just about count on that. Mm -hmm. and, then, and long before that, you'll start paying for it in extra healthcare expenses. And, you know, I think those are some of the things that probably be very helpful people to start thinking about, especially the uh, single women. And because um, I don't want to get into deep statistics, but the big money start com coming in to play when um, long-term care implications come up, when you need somebody to care for you, or you mm -hmm. start needing assistance, custodial care in some way. Mm -hmm. You just can't do those activities of daily living. It might be temporary, even. Um, a stroke, lots of people have strokes in their 40s and 50s, change their life. And even though it may be for, you know, 120 days that they're severely um, affected, it will likely change the rest of their life, you know. So that would be an indicator but you know hopefully you'll you'll start preparing before then and i'm not trying to plug um my business but that's the kind of stuff i try to prepare for in the insurance policies i write both life and health i try to make mate all those needs you know in case those things happen and in case you don't have an extensive network of relatives and daughters and all that stuff so you know prepare for life through health okay okay great great information and as we stereotypically know women tend to not trust salespeople, cars mechanics blah 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 so my question to you aside from that information and, and i'll just say it it's my life so when I'm going to ask for your help as a professional, I want to feel like I'm listened to, that um, I'm not being rushed, that you're not being evasive. What are some other tips that you would give to a woman in whatever stage of life that decides I need to get some health insurance? What are some things that she should look for when she's building that connection to feel comfortable enough to say, okay, I trust you to guide me in this, this, and that, and the other. Or um, what is the red flag that should say, hey, let me run the other way? There you go. Well, I'd say um, just being objective, you have, um, most people have access to the internet, read reviews, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, every insurance professional has a national producer number. Hopefully they'll list it. You can look up through your state department if there are any complaints against that agent. Um, if they're a registered agent that does like investment, investment advising or whatever, those are FINRA registered agents. And, you know, you can, you can literally look up their number and find out the complaints. You can do it through your department of insurance. 
and through those regulatory authorities. I would I would say do that. That's basic stuff if you want to and then seek referrals, you know, from mm -hmm. from people ask hey, how do you, what do you think about this person, you know? Someone that's had experience. And then like for me, I I tend to be I'm more I kind of go on vibes, you know, obviously I go by visual cues and all that stuff, but right. You know, you get a feeling for the people, some people that you can work with. That's all I'll say. If you know them, if you know them or you trust, just like you were advised to contact me, you know, you trust the person to a degree, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you right. know, count your network, you know, the resource and, and and that's good and that, that's great information um i consider myself a, a knowledgeable person in a lot of areas but i personally did not know that there was a national producing number for agents that i could look and i still i know to go to reviews i know to go to yelp so that's actually really good information yeah. i'm going to get to the emotional or whatever side it is of um why are people um, uncomfortable making these plans and and it's a two-part question because I you know you watch tv about the have and the have-nots and the wealthy people um, stereotypically and even after I did my research people that have a different mindset about wealth and about generational wealth and about care what have you they tend to have these conversations almost as if it's part of the dinner like past the roles, this is what I'm going to do. And, and it could be, hey, I've got a three-year-old and I may only be in my late 20s. Let me go ahead and address this in case, you know, they're not thinking in case something happened, like Angelique said, they go in knowing that it's an appointment and it's going to happen. Let me prepare now. So what do you think are the mindsets and why are we as a people, why do we tend to be so emotional about it? I'll take your 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 short answer first, Wilson. I, I don't. A short I don't think it's about our people. It's people. <laughs> no one wants to. Not many people have reckoned with um, the finality of mortality. You know what? But it's certain, guaranteed. But it's mm -hmm. uh, so common for people to procrastinate. Obvious, uh, it seems like the younger generation, you know, 20, 30, they don't think about nothing. It's like, wow, for a while, and and I don't know why, but I can tell you from personal experience, my son passed away when I was 26. Mm. And it, let, it let me know, no guarantees on time, changed my life. I was not prepared. I was, I was insured, my wife was insured, but was too dependent on employer insurance at the time mm -hmm. and had no coverage for my own son and was too broke just getting out of the Air Force to even bury my own son. How sad. What a hard lesson, but I learned it. So wow. it's, it's no certain time. Just people need to be realistic, you know? There's no certain, um, you know, time for anybody. So it's just like, I don't think there's an answer. It's the same way with black people, Indians and everything that I've met. You know, nobody mm -hmm. wants to deal with it. They want to deal with life, not death. Okay. And and you, Angelique? 
Yeah, I, I agree with him 100%. People are not prepared because they don't want to be. It's, it's something that you don't want to think about. You know, you plan for, um, you plan for baby showers. Right. You know, you plan for weddings. You plan for graduations. But here's the thing. You may not ever have a child. You may not ever get married. You may not go to that graduation ceremony, be it yours or somebody else's, but you will die. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody around you may die, but it's an unpleasant thought. It's, you know, it something that nobody wants to think about. And I mean, and I've had people, I've had friends, you know, and, and you know, that's, I, as, I guess it's just a mortician in me that one of the things I asked, are you, are you a phasm order? Do you at least have a life insurance? I ain't got no insurance. Policy. Why don't you have an insurance policy? Well, I ain't gonna, I'm going to be dead. I ain't going to worry about it. Don't worry about it. That's, that's kind of unfair, though. I mean, I understand you won't be there. That's true. But do you want to leave that burden to somebody else? Because, you know, it's already enough that you're passing, you know, it, it, it created a hardship in their mind and their hearts. You know, their psyche just took a bruising. But then turn around and say, you don't have any. And, and Wilson, just to kind of piggyback on what you said, you have, you know, you had insurance, your wife had insurance, you had job insurance. Some people, you know, they don't even have that. They won't even get that. Or they say, oh, I'm covered through my job. Okay, that's great. But then what happens if you're not employed with your job anymore? Right. You know, right. do you still keep that insurance? Is it something that's going to be permanent for the rest of your life? You know, or your spouse may have job insurance that covers you, but what happens if, you know, all of a sudden that insurance is cut. I mean, are, you know, get, get prepared. Um, you know, a, a, a minister, um, he's, he's deceased now, but I love them to pieces. He was the nicest guy. And he said, you know, people don't come together unless they're hatched, matched or dispatched. And, and mm-hmm. you know, they true. celebrate weddings. They celebrate baby showers. They do not celebrate, you know, a funeral that's just something that you know is an eventuality and even if you say well we're not going to have a funeral we're just going to do you know we're just going to do a direct cremation or direct burial okay that that's you know that's fine but just don't you know don't don't leave the burden to the people you leave behind there you know and it's, it's it's just something that people just they, i think they it's selfish I think it's really selfish. It, it's it's um, selfish, yeah, but it's selfish, but it's just one of those things that humans just don't want to face. Um, and it's, it's, it's unfortunate that GoFundMe has become our new insurance yes, provider. Yes. I hate that. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's unfortunate. On a personal note, and I mean, listening to what you said, Wilson, was very sobering. Um, and, and I, and even when you were speaking, Angelique, when you were talking about different things, I could picture different people in my mind's eye mm-hmm. that that they fit that situation. And not in a judgmental way, it's just matter of fact. For me, I don't know where I got the, the notion to do it, but for me, it wasn't an emotional thing. I had two daughters and I was a divorced mom And um, I didn't trust the guy. I didn't feel comfortable with him that Mm -hmm. sold me the insurance, but I knew I had shopped Mm -hmm. and I knew this was the best rate for what I needed. Right. And they weren't, they were still like 
young or what have you. But then mm-hmm. I had a, a third child. And, mm-hmm. and I think when I had her, my youngest was maybe 13. And I didn't think in terms of fear. I just remember looking at them and thinking like we all think or should think you want better for your kids than you have for yourself on every level. So Mm -hmm. what I did was go out and I increased it because now I have three people. Mm -hmm. And um, when I thought that they were mentally able to process process it, we actually sat down and we talked about it. Mm -hmm. And And I didn't hide from them like, hey, the oldest, you're not gonna get the most. Right. It's going to be split up and you're going to actually get the lease because at this time she was in college mm-hmm. and, you know, the military, me being a veteran and her dad being a veteran, it paid for a lot of things. So right. the youngest would get the most because she still had to, she, I mean, at this point, even now she's still in middle school. So mm-hmm. she, she knew, they knew that she would get the, the, the most and, you know, graduated amounts so when it came time it wouldn't be a a a, a jealousy a problem an issue I said it this is what it is I even went as far as to say listen when I die I don't want any sad spirituals I want to have this I want to have that and I'm very clear about it sometimes I update it because a new song comes out and I was like oh I don't want to take him to the kingdom. No I want, you know, this, you know, that kind of thing. Right, and right. we actually mm-hmm. not laugh, but my kids say, what about that one, uh, that one jacket that makes you look like a mafia wife? You know, <laughs> so I made it more palatable to them to have the conversation. There you go. There you go. And I think we don't do that enough with, I chew upwards generationally or even downwards or sideways, which mm-hmm. leads me to one of my final questions. How do we work around? Because we may not ever get our aunties because as we get older, we're caring for older family members, whether they're biologically our family members or not. And I've got a slew of people that feel comfortable um, because they trust me. They know that I have integrity and I've got an attention to detail and whatever else is important to them. Right. How do I, how do I have that conversation? Or is it even a conversation? Just do it. How do you get your older relatives to, to say, Hey, let's talk about this. I'm not saying you look like you're on death's door. I'm simply saying, I want it. I want to do what you want. Any ideas or suggestions? Uh, get them liquored up and go through their stuff. No. Um, <laughs> it might down. take that for some. It might. Yeah. It just might. You know. Uh, you know what? No, there's no. There's like no one size fit all answer right. to any any of right. that. I mean, I know with my grandmother, God bless the dead. You know, she had to. Um, a lot of older Americans now who are, you know, on Medicare and, you know, they're receiving, you know, SSI or something like that. Sometimes they have to get their affairs in order in order to stay uh, eligible, mm-hmm. you know, for Medicare and Medicaid and stuff like that. So if they have to get their affairs in order, then they'll reach out and say, you know what, I can't stand my daughter, but let me give her a call and 
you know, let's make some plan to do something and, and they'll do that. But then for other people, you know, like you said, you got some non, you know, biological uh, um, aunties and uncles who just need the help. I would say try the gentle approach because sometimes, you know, it, it may take a little bit of trying time after time at the time, but eventually they'll get there because, you know, the alternative is, unfortunately, and it happens, the alternatives, you, you don't know what they want. Right. You know, you, you, and you have no idea of what they have, if they have anything prepared and, you know, um, it's just the same that sometimes it comes down to that. So, you know, we'll tell them, hey, listen, let's review your stuff. You know, let's, let's, you know, you've got, you know, old policies that may have, you know, beneficiaries who died, or you've got old policies where, you know, um, you left certain amounts of this one, a certain amount of that one, but they may not need that anymore. Mm-hmm. They may, you know, they may need something else. So check those out. Um, and definitely go speak to, go speak to Wilson. Find out, you know, what you need. Find out what you need because he may be able to look at your stuff and say, you know, well, you have an ADD here that you really don't need here anymore. You're 95 years old. I can't see you getting on a motorcycle. So why do you have a motorcycle? <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, and I've had, you know, it's funny. I've had one time and I felt so bad. This woman, she came in to um, take care of her uh, mother. Her mother was 85. She was about 60 something herself. Right. And she gave me an old policy. I'm not going to name the company, but it was an mm. old policy and it was uh, um, against loss of limb. It wasn't a life insurance policy. It was an accident right. policy. Right. And, you know, she kept paying it faithfully. And I'm looking, I'm saying, oh, no, oh, oh, lady. And I, there was nothing we could do with it. All right. So she had to mm. clean out her own savings you know, to wow. try to do something for mom. And it's, you know, yeah, sit down, review that stuff and see what you have going on. Well said. Can I, can I uh, interject something? Um, that is one of the benefits of, of actually having a relationship with, a, you know, some, some insurance person you trust mm-hmm. and you understand your own goals and those annual reviews. I know a lot of people don't understand the necessity of maybe not every year but every couple of years with the different stages in life mm-hmm. and um our different levels well since most of us have some kind of debt and we reach different kind of milestones and you know quite frankly you have so many different ages with with social security and and medicare and all that stuff and depending on where you work you know those are very relevant to how you should be making adjustments i mean you know the average person out here working for a company these days can pretty much count on working full retirement age you know 72 almost (laughs) but if you're a federal fire officer you can retire at 50 you know totally different thing and it's a lot of different situations but you know having having those reviews and constantly being aware of the changes in your life are very helpful in in keeping in focus what's important and it's all part of the plan and certainly if you have um, someone that you want to benefit from your life's work you want them to be a part of or at least informed of your value system and and what's changed and how it might want to affect them and uh, you know sometimes it may be someone that can accompany you 
to to go with the uh, you mm -hmm. know the annual reviews if they're going to be an important person you know in the big picture anyway you know like a survivor or whatever but certainly you know children and all that should know um, about any changes and uh, the expense for for most forty year olds right now should be very reasonable I think for most to handle most things um, you'll be concerned with. I think it's within reach dollar wise for most 40 years old, 40 year olds in reasonable health, except for in New York. <laughs> hey, I resemble that Mark. <laughs> I low key resemble that Mark as well, having been being from New York. Um, I'm just saying, <laughs> no, it's hard in New York for insurance. It really is. A lot of insurance companies don't even do business in New York. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I never thought I would say, put this um, word refreshing with the word death. But this conversation has been refreshing. Um, it takes the sting out of having the conversation. It's been uh, insightful and entertaining to say the least um and um great information um thank you so much for first doing the work that you both do uh it's it's not the fun stuff you're not meeting with people that want to party plan um albeit a final party it's not the oh girl i'm so excited to see you you know person yeah. so thank you for what you do Thank you for being a subject matter experts in your respective uh, fields. And thank you for gracing our listeners with some really good uh, information.